Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a contributor, a Forbes contributor, covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And so we're producing this episode for Forbes. We're especially excited today because we have a remarkable social entrepreneur here with us today. We have with us Robert Forrester, who is the CEO of both Newman's Own Inc. and Newman's Own Foundation. Uh, the foundation owns Newman, Newman's Own Inc. So, uh, Robert, thank you very, very much for joining us today. It's just an honor to have you. Well, it's a real pleasure for me to be with you, Devin, and happy holidays to you and whoever's watching, and uh, it's, I'm always eager to talk about Newman's Own. Well, thank you very, very much. We, we, you know, the uh, social entrepreneurship has been uh, gaining uh, momentum and, and notoriety for a long time, uh, but it, it's really reached a crescendo in r relatively recent years. But uh, but uh, Newman's Own was really an early entrant into the uh, social entrepreneurship model. Tell us a little bit about the the history of Newman's Own. Well. Uh, of course, it was founded by Paul Newman, who at the time was a super celebrity in Hollywood. Although Paul never considered himself a Hollywood person. He lived here in Connecticut, same home for 50 years, drove a Volvo station wagon. He did have a Corvette engine in it. He was a race driver, too. But, uh, but one of the things about Paul, he was a great food person. Uh, he really made his own food, his own salad dressings, and every Christmas he would give it out as gifts. People would come back and ask for more. And uh, one Christmas, somebody was convinced him to put it in a store, which he did uh, almost as a, as, a, as a joke. Let's let's just do that. And um, and in the food business, you can you know, put your face on something if you're famous and sell it once, but if it's not tasting good, the person won't come back the second time. But but the quality of the food was just terrific. So that was 32 years ago, uh, 1982, that he started this. Um, he did not, when he started the company, he didn't set out to prove any point. He, 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 Paul wasn't that kind of guy who wanted to say, these are my principles, this is the way I think you should think this way too. He, uh, he just thought that you could make really good tasting food out of natural food. That's what he cooked with. And he was a great cook. Um, and he was just a, a very, always a philanthropic person. So, um, there was no plan. In fact, Paul was asked when he was on television being interviewed when the company got started. He was asked, well, what do you know about starting a food company? And the answer was, well, you need to know three things to be successful. And unfortunately, I don't know any of them. That was the other part of him. But he, he had two principles. Uh, one was that quality and Trump profits. And not just the quality of the ingredients, but really the quality of the feel of the company, how we would think about ourselves and others. And the other was, if we ever had any profits, give it all away. And, uh, those two themes have stayed with us from the beginning. But um, if anybody said to Paul, well, you helped start a movement here, he said, well, no, I just happened to do something. The movement would have been already out there if somebody else would have started. Well, it is amazing what, yeah. what has come over the 30 years since uh, the company was founded. Uh, both in terms of the company's own success and impact, but also as it has 
provided a model for uh, social entrepreneurship uh, that uh, has helped spur that whole industry. So uh, great, great stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the philanthropic work that the foundation is funding today. Well, uh, <clears throat> thank you for that because I love talking about that. That's what gets us up in the morning and what motivates everybody at the company. Um, it, uh, Paul, Paul's feeling, and we try to follow, Paul laid down no rules really, so you have to do this or fun that. He, he just wasn't that kind of guy, but he had an abiding belief in the ability of people, individuals and then groups of people to help change the world. Uh, I think he was you know, very fond of the Tocqueville describing American forming committees and fix their own problems. And I happen to spend, my career has been entirely in the sector, so I found myself doing this. Um, and we have a very strong fundamental belief in the people who work out there in the charitable sector, here in America, but also in other parts of the world. So our grant making is not very prescriptive. We have four uh, broad priorities we think about. One is just to encourage philanthropy as broadly as we can. Uh, another is children with life-limiting conditions. Best example of this would be uh, Paul actually started a show for children at the time there were cancer and blood diseases. Um, that one camp that opened up in '88 um, had 280 children I think, for summer. And this year we have 17 of them around the world. Our, um, I think another 15 to 16 smaller camps in the developing world and between children and actual family members who go to the camps, but parents of the children. Camp, serve 75,000. So that's a great example, and we, we are a funder of that among the board of directors. But we're we're only a small funder, a percentage basis. We're about 10 percent of the total funding. And that's another thing we believe in is that if things are really going to work, it requires a lot of people to get involved, not just one person. We also are into empowerment. That's a, a broad way of saying that we. People are born in circumstances that they had nothing to do with uh, or encounter those circumstances. Uh, for instance, we don't want to work with the military and turn vets. People who have, uh, let's say, lost their son or VA was unable to purchase guide dogs. It's just not in the budget. I mean, dogs can cost four or five thousand dollars. And uh, we do that uh, for them. And it's just amazing when that person gets the dog, he or she can get up from the chair and go do something on the road. They don't have to wait to be picked up, if you will. So that's empowerment. But we also are working in the big slums of Kenya, uh, Kibera, outside of Nairobi, um, you know, through girls' education and gender issues. Uh, and uh, we also have a priority in nutrition, which is pretty bold for a food company. I think that's the right thing to do. And, uh, so those are our four broad areas, philanthropy, children with life-limiting conditions, empowerment, and nutrition. That's great. Just really inspiring work. Bob, you obviously are a very capable man. You've been very successful in your career. You could be doing a lot of different things. Why, why do you care about this stuff? Why are you doing this instead of the myriad other things you could be doing? Well, I, again, I think it's, it's the circumstances of my life. Uh, uh, I was actually in the military. I was old enough. So I was in Vietnam. And when I came back, I went to work in the university and I could do my graduate work. 
And it happened to be a private independent university, and it was being built by a community at that time. And I immediately became engaged with that character of an open society of, of people doing it for themselves. And these were great benefactors who had nothing to gain from it. So my career started off, and I just had the privilege of working throughout the world. I had my own consulting company. And, and it was just such a remarkable experience. So it's sort of like you know, for an opera singer to finally make it to the stage of the Met. The baseball player to make it, I don't know what the affiliation is, we're right on the front line between Boston and New York, so either the Red Sox or the Yankees, that's, you know, to, to make it into one another. So, and the other thing was that Paul was just a close friend of mine. I didn't really think I would be doing this. I knew I would ask me to do it, but never really contemplated it. So. Um, it's a, it's a privilege. I just can't say anything more. It's hard yeah, work, it's a lot of attention, but it's a privilege. I want to just tap into your expertise for a minute, if we can, uh, Bob. You, you, you've done so much. You've accomplished so much. Uh, our, uh, the audience of people who's watching, they, they come from all walks of life, but they have one thing in common. They all want to increase their impact for good. I wonder if you would just give us one good tip that people could follow in order to increase their impact based on your life and experience? Wow, that's such a, such a good question. I, I guess um, it's hard for me to ever answer a question with a single answer, but uh, I would say that you need to keep your compass pointed on the true north of wanting to be done. Um, and that, once you veer off of that, you complicate your agenda and other things might throw you off on that. And if you're doing that, then you have failures, and you don't have failures at any place in your life, uh, you can absorb those. Um, that, that would be the one thing I think that over my career has, has helped me. And then the other thing, because here's where I can't give you a simple answer, is that I don't think you can do it by yourself. It really, the fun of it is collaboration, the leverage of it is in collaboration, um, and there's just so many wonderful people out there to collaborate with. Yeah. Well, it is, it is a great, great counsel to think about those two principles of following a, a true north focus on impact and, and also to uh, seek collaboration, don't do it alone. It's great, great advice. Uh, before we go, Bob, I wonder if you would uh, be willing to tell people how they can uh, learn more about Newman's Own uh, and about the philanthropic work you're doing. Well, I invite everybody to come visit our website, which is uh, newmansownfoundation.org. Uh, we have a Twitter account. I am clueless. I'm too old for those things. And uh, <laughs> find all of those connections uh, on our website, which will also link you to the food company. So you can, you know, it was one of the wonderful things about Newman Zone, unlike a foundation that sits on a very large endowment every year, every day, every hour, we have to go out and hustle ourselves in a very competitive market, and it really builds our vitality. So anybody who looks at the foundation should also go over and take a look at the food company and recognize the people there who are just as committed as I am to the philosophical purpose. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> Fantastic. Bob, thank you very, very much for being with us today. It's just been a joy to have you. We, we wish you every success in the future. Thank you.
Thank you, Devin. Real pleasure. Happy holidays. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.